So over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the book of Haggai together. It's the second shortest book in the Old Testament, and it records how God, through the prophet Haggai, brings a challenge to God's people. To set the scene a little, 50,000 Jews had returned from captivity and had begun to rebuild the temple, starting with the altar. Just a year later, though, all the work had ground to a halt. The people had become discouraged and had turned their focus away from the temple and the rebuilding plans and instead prioritising sorting out their own homes. They became so engrossed in their own personal affairs that all of the God stuff had to take a back seat. And so God, through Haggai, speaks a challenge to the people. And within four years of that challenge, the temple would indeed be complete. Now, whilst we might not have a temple to rebuild, we do have work to do. We have a gospel to proclaim. We have good news to share. But it's a deep truth in many of our lives that at any given moment we're being pulled in all sorts of different directions. There's all sorts of demands on our time and our energies. Friends and family, work and church and risk assessments and guidelines and changes and all the rest. It all clamours for our attention. In our week, we try to find time to spend with our family and with our spouses and for, on our paperwork and take on that extra thing at work that needs to be done because rarely today does any job involve being limited to nine to five hours. But just how do we prioritise in all of this? Where does God fit into it all? And the last few months have been an opportunity for many of us to think about our priorities. And we're hoping to make some changes as we drift back to things happening again and things opening again. It's been a profoundly challenging time for all of us, but it does give us an opportunity to think about the shape of our lives and how we might build back better, how we might change things going forward. Where God fits in with all of that is what the prophet Haggai wants us to consider. Now, Haggai was likely in his 70s when the book was written. There's no retirement age in the kingdom of God. And he gives a message that challenges us to think about obedience and hope and holiness and what it means to be God's people. I'd encourage you to spend the time, it's no more than 10 minutes, I should think, uh, in the coming week to read through the entire book of Haggai. And if you're not sure where to find it, if you go to the beginning of the New Testament and then count back three books, you'll find it pretty quickly. By way of background to the book, in 586 BC, the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar defeated the southern kingdom of Judah and destroyed Jerusalem, including the temple. And many Jewish people were taken into captivity. Then around 50 years later, King Cyrus of Persia conquered Babylon and became the new ruler of the people, which included all the Jewish exiles. A year later, he issued a decree that enabled all the exiles to return to their land. But the trouble was, many of them had acclimatised and didn't want to give up their Babylonian lifestyle. So only about 50,000 of them headed back to Jerusalem and began the work of rebuilding the temple. Now, rebuilding the temple was an important task because the temple represented at this time the people's relationship with God. 
It was the focal point of their faith. The temple was the primary place where they would meet with God. And we need to be careful as we read this story not to simply replace the temple in their situation with the church in ours. It doesn't read across in quite the same way. But Haggai was likely one of the 50,000 people who returned from exile and he saw what was happening. After laying the foundation for the temple and building the altar, the exiles quit working when they were threatened or when it got difficult, and they then didn't do anything for another 15 years. It wasn't just about opposition that they faced, though. Um, There were other factors at play into why the work stopped, and God speaks through Haggai and Zechariah and is calling God's people back to the work of rebuilding the temple. And so as we turn to our reading for today, at the beginning of Haggai's message in verse 2, it reads, The Lord Almighty says, These people say the time is not yet to rebuild the Lord's house. So right at the beginning, there are people saying, Now's not the time. And you and I know that there are always reasons for not doing something. Some of us are master procrastinators even. Think about the last time you had a big project you had to start or some revision you had to do or preparation you had to undertake. Perhaps you've got to sit down to sort out your tax return. Perhaps you're revising for an exam. So you make sure you've got a drink sorted. You might even need a little snack as well. Your pens are all laid out. The computer is ready. There's always 101 reasons to put off getting started on anything. And we do have this tendency so often to put things off, particularly if they're challenging or difficult. You start your day perhaps by checking your emails first. And then when you do that, it's amazing how easy it is for your day to veer off in other directions. How often do we get to the end of a day and find that what has taken up most of our time had not been the things that we hoped to prioritise when the day started? And so the exiles who have returned have a priority to rebuild the temple. But other things had got in the way of them finishing their task. Yes, they had some opposition, but they also allowed themselves to be diverted. There will always be opposition to doing anything for God in one form or another. But we live with the truth that our God is greater than any opposition we can possibly face. We read in Romans that if God is for us, who can be against us? But the people had put rebuilding the temple and the whole project to one side for years. And now we're focusing on ensuring that their homes were up to standard, which leads to the challenge in verse four. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? God is calling them back to their priorities. It strikes me that the people have just become a bit comfortable with the situation. They'd grown used to the temple being a pile of bricks and they need shaking. They need waking up to their true task. In our homes, I I think it's a bit like if you've ever had a wall plastered and you just don't get around to painting it. You get used to it, perhaps, and don't think much of it, but it's very obvious for visitors. But when you live there, it just becomes how it is. People in Haggai's time had lived with an unfinished temple for so long that they'd stopped seeing it or they'd become perhaps willfully blind to it or in some way institutionalised. And so God sends a prophet to open their eyes afresh. 
Now, we don't have a rebuilding project on the go as a church. Praise the Lord for that. And so perhaps the link from Haggai to us is not as obvious as it might be, but we are in a time of flux. We're asking God to help us focus on God's priorities in an uncertain future. And as part of that, we'll have to discern what God wants us to be and to do. And that might mean foregoing some other things. It's about being determined to ensure that the job gets finished, that the plastered wall gets a coat of paint. But there's always this natural inclination to put things on hold, to press pause or to settle, to not rock the boat in the first place. There'll always be a reason for not doing things. There'll always be a reason for looking back. There will always be something wrong with anything, with any group, with any church, including this one, where there's always going to be disagreement of one form or another because church, like any other group, is full of people like me, like you. But God calls us to be faithful to what we've been called to do and to be tenacious about sticking to it. And that challenge for the church is not only to get more people into the church, but it's about being changed so that we might be part of God's work of changing the world. It's to extend the kingdom and the reign of the justice of God's kingdom. Imagine for a moment that it's September 2030. What could and should our life together look like? Keep that picture in your mind, but friends, know that it will not happen by accident. It's only by all of us intentionally as a community of disciples, focusing on God and putting into action the things that God has called us to be and do, that we will see that change happen. That's the first challenge of the passage in Haggai. The second is, I think, slightly more personal. And it's the challenge that asks us this question, how much do you really love God? How much are you really willing to give up to follow Jesus Christ? He loves us to the point of the cross. How much do we love him in return? Think about your average week or whatever a week looks like for you at the moment. Think about how you spend your time, your money, you use your resources, your talents, your energies. Where is God in the midst of all of that? I think part of the litmus test for us is, could somebody tell that we're doing our best to live as disciples of Jesus if they were to observe the way that we live? Or is our faith just sort of a hobby that we bolt on to the side? In verse 5 and 6, Haggai continues, Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Friends, I think that's not a bad description of so much of 21st century living. It talks about not being able to get any satisfaction. It's not dissimilar to the wisdom that we read in the book of Ecclesiastes where we're told it's all meaningless. And of course, a forerunner for the great philosopher Mick Jagger. There is this innate need in us for love and belonging, for completeness and a desire to seek it. And so sometimes we try to find it in sex or in money or in our career or in popularity or in our reputation. 
But however hard we try, these things don't cut it. However hard we try, however many years we put effort into them, they will not bring us peace and joy and satisfaction because God is what we need to make those things a lasting reality in our lives. Many of us who decide to follow Jesus just plow on, intent on trying to deal with everything ourselves and find our own way instead of handing our lives over to God. We attempt to deal with it perhaps in church with services and songs and prayer meetings and rotors and we need all those things. But God is first. God is the one who must have an all-access pass to the affairs of our mind and our hearts. Jesus reminds us to seek first God's kingdom, to put God first. As we rebuild going forward in the months ahead, that's the challenge for us, to put God first and front and centre. And that might mean that things need to look differently going forward to how they did in the past. And friends, it's possible to be dissatisfied with your own relationship with God. Perhaps that's you today. If it is, perhaps God can use this moment to draw you closer. In verse 9 we read, You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, which each of you, why each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on people and cattle and the labour of your hands. These verses suggest to us, perhaps, that God has brought some dissatisfaction on the people to remind them that they're not placing God first that they'd place their own comforts and their own agenda before God's. God had become an also-ran in their life. It was more about convenience than about commitment. God was there for the emergency, please help me get through this thing I've got wrong, prayer. But apart from that, not a lot. And God wanted to draw them back. Perhaps, just perhaps, there's something in that message for us today. In verse 8 we read, God saying, Go up into the mountains and bring down the timber and build the house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. I want to note that it tells them to bring down the trees. God doesn't say to his people that they should build the temple out of finest marble and gold and ivory, all the things they don't have, but to start with the trees on the mountains where they live, to start with what they do have. Similarly, making God a priority is about giving God what you have, not what you don't. We have to start where we are. Otherwise, getting to a different starting point becomes just another excuse never to begin. God knows what your life is like. God knows the things that you struggle with. God knows what you can and can't do and calls you just as you are calls you just as you are to do what you can do to be the best disciple of Jesus Christ that you can be. You as you are, your talents, your energy, your pain, your questions, your hope and your story. God wants it 
all. The question today from this bit of the book of Haggai is will you give it to God? Friends, let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for calling each of us by name to follow you. We thank you that we are your chosen people. And so now we choose you and your kingdom above popularity, above wealth, above pride, above comfort, above tradition, above it all. We choose you. We want to place you first in our lives. And so, Lord, whether today is the first time we've said that or whether it's the hundredth time, we come to you and ask that by your spirit you would give us a fresh perspective and a fresh start. May all our thoughts, all our actions and all our words honour you, we pray.